number one um, sports entertainment MMA-related podcast on the Doobie Radio. This is The Undercard with me, your host. And now I just wanted to say that I'm very happy to have you all back here. It's have a bit of a hiatus, of course, since our last week I was not here. But I am back. I am here today. And we have got a lot to talk about. <laughs> yes, so... Or if you've been living under a rock, or if you haven't, uh, for fall wrestling, to which I ask, why the heck are you listening to the show? Um, and please stick around because you may just learn something fun. So please stick around and listen. I'm not going to drive away viewers. That would be idiotic. Now then. So, yes, WrestleMania season has come and gone yet again, like many proverbial holidays. And we have to wait yet another painstaking year for it to come back around. And this year's WrestleMania season was pretty good, all things considered. All things considered within the pandemic and the world within it. I'd say WWE managed to pull off a very, very good show. I'll get a bit into it a bit. Uh, I'll get a bit into the details a little bit more. But yes, this was the first uh, WWE show to have um, live fan attendance for the first time in almost a year at this point. I believe, according to the attendance on Wikipedia, we have a total combined uh, for night one and night two for fifty-one thousand three hundred fifty. Um, audience members, which I'm going to assume means just 25,675 25, people, because I'm going to assume the same people came both nights, not two people came for nights, but yes, it was April 10th to the 11th. We also had NXT Stand and Deliver, which was the previous um, uh, Wednesday and Thursday, if I'm correct in saying. We also had a um, blood sports episode with uh, Josh Barnett's GCW Blood Sports. We had that, and we also have some interesting news within the world of WWE that that's come out this week. And we have an interesting boxing news, something that's caught a lot of media attention. And we have Impact Wrestling that's start getting ready to kick off. It's I believe it's called a Hard. Double check, but Impact this is having its pay per view showing with. Uh, Kenny Omega versus Rich Swan. Yes, Kenny Omega versus Rich Swan. It is, in fact, a um, champion versus champion match. We have them. I don't think the titles are online. I think it's just champion versus champion. But the AEW World Champion is going against the Impact World Champion. And let me just double check the notes here. And it doesn't look like the belts are. No, no, I don't. No, I don't. I don't believe the belts are on on the line right at the moment. Let me double check for the because we had rebellion. That's the upcoming one, correct? Oh no, no, it is. It is a title versus title match. Sorry, I was looking at the wrong one. It is title versus title match, and it is going to be announced by Mauro Ranallo. Oh, my hero! I love Mauro Ranallo. He is my favorite guy ever, but. Yes, we have it is Impact versus AEW at last for the Champion versus Champion match. Very excited for that to see what's going to happen there. But to be to start off with, I guess on here on the undercard, I should talk a little bit about what's happened in terms of the news surrounding WWE before I go into like my reviews on NXT Stand and Deliver and WrestleMania both nights for each. As well, talk, as well as talk about Bloodsport, because I just really want to talk about that, because I really, really do like the concept Josh Barnett has started up with it. So 
what has happened in WWE in the last week, there have been in a year since I believe what we call it a Black Thursday when WWE during the pandemic released dozens of wrestlers in budgetary in the name budgetary means, despite presumably having the best uh, one of the best financial quarters in a while. They released a ton of wrestlers during the pandemic, which is, I believe, what we call in bird culture, not a classy move whatsoever. And so, yeah, amongst the people, uh, first and foremost, Andrade, uh, Andrade Cien Almas, he was released beforehand. He had been released a few, uh, few about a week ago, if I'm correct in saying March 21st, uh, more than a week ago, my bad. But yeah, uh, former NXT and uh, I believe he never, I don't think he ever captured, no, he never captured the Raw tag team title and United States champion. He... Yeah, missed opportunity. Once again, I feel like you say that a lot about NXT guys nowadays on the main roster, but missed opportunity, man. He Andrade was awesome. Him teamed up with Selena Vega. They were amazing. He had all of the necessary uh, technical skills. He had. He was fluid in the ring. He was innovative. He had a great heelish persona. Selena was an awesome distraction and manager. Yeah, missed opportunity. Just watch any of his NXT stuff. Just ch- if you have any time, you can check it out. And he is really stellar. His match against Aleister Black, his match against Drew McIntyre, he was great. He he was great, and it's a shame that that happened. Supposedly, he does not have a he does not have one of those no compete clauses, so he is free to work anywhere else. I believe there's rumors he's going to be going to. Um, I think there's rumors he's signing to uh, Ring of Honor, which. Uh, that would that would be good. Uh, he he would he would fit in Ring of Honor very well. The Ring of Honor currently is doing some of the best technical work that they've had. I mean, and by that I mean like technical wrestling, very basic catches catch kind of stuff going on with the the pure rule stuff. So he he'd fit in well. He he would fit in well there in the Ring of Honor. But um, amongst others, we've also had Stephen Cutler was uh, that was that one was earlier. Sorry. Uh, yes, here we go. Wesley Blake was the one I was thinking. Wesley Blake was released along with these other surprising names. Samoa Joe, Peyton Royce, Billy Kay, Mickey James, uh, Chelsea Green, uh, Tucker Knight, Kalisto, Bo Dallas, who's been on the docket for a while, and Mojo Rawley have all been released by the WWE this um, on April fifteenth. So, yeah, this was this was um, shocking. This was shocking. Some of these are just shocking. Like Tucker Knight, I get it. Um, I get. I kind of get um, Wesley Blake because they've had nothing to do. Bo Dallas, Bo Dallas is no surprise, even though there were some rumors he'd be appearing as the new fiend upcoming with his whatever weird things going on with Alexa Bliss right now with that. But like Peyton Royce, Billy Kay, and, and Joe, like what even is this? Why? They were just on WrestleMania. Why would, Why were they just suddenly released? Billy Kay and Peyton Royce, they had great chemistry as the Iconics and you split them up. And of course they're not going to work because they've been working together as a tag team for a long time and you just can't just split them up and be like, okay, be interesting individually now because you know, they were put as a tag team because they had a hard time being good on their own. Do do, do you fail to see the logic here as to why splitting them up was a bad idea? Joe, Joe makes no sense as well because he was a great broadcaster and he's still an amazing wrestler. He could have been a great champion even at his, his current age. He could have been an amazing world champion. They just never gave him a chance. I know he was a little injury prone in the last few uh, his, his last kind of few runs, but still, like honestly, he 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 could have been something great again. I, I won't say his main roster run was a complete failure because he he 
all things considered, he did a good job. His main roster run, he he did a good job. But he, um, yeah, he, he didn't live up to the potential I think that was set for him. I really think a lot of people expected some kind of world title run, which, like I said, I was expecting to in some way. I was expecting there to be some kind of world title run for him at some point. His feud with AJ Styles was great. His whole his run with the United States Championship was great. He was great. He's a guy that he could take any promo, he could take any feud, and he could find a way to elevate it. Could so Samoa Joe. Uh, Kalisto is a little interesting. The fact that um, that the Lucha House Party seems to have found a nice little niche for themselves in NXT, who, who are really trying to build up a new tag division, which I think they've been doing pretty well on, all things considered. But interesting that Kalisto was released, the former United, two-time United States champion and cruiserweight champion, very briefly, lest we forget, against Enzo Amore. But yeah, another missed opportunity. This guy, I, I wish Kalisto could have just at least gone back to NXT. He could have been great in NXT. Imagine a match with him and Ricochet. Those two could have been amazing. Kalisto has a very innovative and fun uh, move set. It's like his, if you've ever seen him do his handstand backflip, her uh, head scissors takedown, it's really cool to look at. And Ricochet, again, amazing high flyer. They could have made money together. Kalisto is an amazing luchador. Really, really good stuff. He has a, also a very underrated strength game. If you've, if you've ever seen some of his independent stuff, independent, um, Independent matches, he shows off some surprising strength every now and then. So I, I get the issue with WWE, of course, is they expect quote unquote character work. Now, there's a difference between what we NXT and WWE character work. And NXT character work refers to, you know, finding a gimmick that works for you, finding a basic character and then letting that run to basic narratives in the sport in a sports world like playing upon basic themes of jealousy competition uh rivalries and uh, rivalries and competition i know are kind of the same thing but like you know blood feuds things like that things really personal and deep anger these really basic and but very relatable emotions that it doesn't really require a ton of uh, flash but it's welcome you can use that and that's where those kind of guys and flourished because it was about the athletics they told in-ring stories they told these kind of stories through the just basic one-upsmanship sorry the mask of course always gets in the way but in wwe and it's always weird to say wwe and nxt is two separate things since nxt is technically a part of wwe and not its own separate entity but it often feels like it is uh they they expect like they expect you to be able to cut promos which to be fair, cutting promos should be very basic. You should be able to do it, but it's like if you can't cut a promo, they will not work with you to to hide it. It's like with Ricochet. Ricochet is not a great promo guy. I, I I will be the first to say he's one of those examples of indie guy who cannot cut a promo very well. And he's always struggled to have a really larger-than-life character beyond being the guy who can do the flippy stuff. In NXT, that worked really well, and he could show off his amazing match quality, like Adam Cole, his ladder match. Uh, just to name a few, his match with Tyler Breeze that comes to mind. He works there. He works in that at more athletic-based in-ring competition environment. In WWE, they expect more soap opera kind of, uh, just that kind of awkward character-driven stuff, that kind of stuff where it's more behind the scenes. And it's it's fine. There are guys that flourish like that. And I, I don't want to put those people down, but Kalisto just was clearly never going to be that kind of guy. And obviously that in Vince McMahon's eyes. It's the same with Cesaro, the fact that he he didn't have the same kind of charisma he was looking for. Cesaro had a very entertaining charisma about him in the ring, but he didn't have the promo charisma 
that Vince likes. It's, I, I hope it's making sense what I'm trying to say, but it's two different styles. It's one expects more performance in like the basic theatrical acting style. The other expects more wrestling performance. It's two different things. And Kalisto, with his, obviously he always had the accent issue, but he got past that. A lot of people can get past that, but he also just always seemed to struggle when he came to, came to being on the promo, the famous uh, here to do a good lucha thing. Uh, oh gosh, dang it. Whoa. That kind of that promo. If anyone remembers that, my terrible interpretation of it, but yeah, sorry. That's a little rant on Kalisto, Bo Dallas, uh, NXT. People often forget former NXT world champion. Like he, he's in the same ranks as Drew McIntyre, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, Finn Balor. He's up. He's with them. He was one of the first NXT champions. Granted, around the era when NXT was still the developmental brand, so there weren't as many huge names, but still, he was an NXT champion. He held it for a very, very long time, almost almost 300 days, if I'm correct or remembering. And his, his character work there was amazing, too. It's just, it's one of those gimmicks that just was never going to connect. I don't want to put the blame entirely on Dallas, because it really wasn't, but he 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 had some issues. He was a... He, he was a good heel wrestler in the same vein that I don't want to compare it to Jay White, but Jay, if you see a Jay White match, Jay uses a lot of interferences. He uses a lot of these inner nuances to his matches that have prevent him from doing a ton of wrestling. Even though Jay is a fantastic wrestler for someone like Dallas, it's kind of like MJF where he uses a lot of these little, uh, these little ticks and these little additions to kind of cover up from the fact that he's a little limited in the ring, but Dallas was he was he could still like if you watch his babyface stuff he did he did wrestling really well he his impact was his um I mean his impact by his striking and his when he would slam people was was always a little weak in my opinion and I don't think he ever really carved out a great finisher for himself the spinning bow dog was always was fun but he always seemed to struggle to find that one finisher that really resonated with his character. But his character work was fantastic. The really punchable, all oh, your such like the really pretentious punch you punch you in the face kind of arrogance that the Bo Leave character had, where he was always really condescending, like, oh, you can do it, you know. I'm still the NXT champion, but you can do it. And just then when anyone would get a one up on him, he'd just flip out because you know he never actually expects anyone to beat him. It was always great stuff. It was really entertaining. And he was good, but as I was saying, though, I th- his character always had those kind of little interferences. It always kind of prevented him from having a straight-up wrestling match every now and then. But, yeah, but they, then they really turned that up in, in, in WWE. And to WWE's credit, they tried to push him. They, they tried to give him, they gave him a winning streak, but for whatever reason, the character just never really connected. I, and I, I'm not even 100% sure. I don't know if it was just a complete misunderstanding of the character, if it just didn't work for the for the main, more mainstream audience, because we can be honest and say the NXT and WWE's audiences are very, very different. One's a bit smarkier, one's a bit more, uh, less. one has a little less nuance, which uh, NXT can usually has more time for versus WWE, who always tries to focus more on the main event rather than really building up the undercard anymore, which is kind of silly. But that's enough on these two, on what's been... Weird that they did this. Really weird, especially almost a year to the dot. I, I mean, a, a year to the date to the dot where they released all the other people. Yeah, weird, weird stuff. So 
uh, talk a little bit more. Um, basic stuff before I get into my WWE, my WrestleMania NXT stand deliver news. So let's talk about Blood Sports. Blood Sports, for those of you who don't know, is a is a wrestling promotion that was started by Josh Barnett, former UFC World Heavyweight Champion, who wanted a more realistic kind of. If you've ever heard of Pancreas, a very very similar to Pancreas style. It's fixed, obviously. It's all still fixed matches and everything, but it's presented in as if it were like UFC. It's presented in a more UFC style. So there's less of the coordination of like big high flying maneuvers and really huge like convoluted spots or anything. So it's the exact opposite of if you if you've ever seen like a Zack Saber Jr. match, it's a lot more of that. It's a lot more submission based. It's a lot more strikes really matter. So no one's no selling getting super kicked in the face. If you get super kicked in the face in blood sports, you're like that's very close to you losing the match because it's referee stoppage. He'll say, okay, no, you're you can't continue, and all that kind of stuff. So it's it's presented in more of a realistic light, and it's very cool. It, it is very 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 cool. And it's, I, I mentioned it once before when I talked about why I didn't really care for the idea of the the round robins matches, and not the round robins. I mean the 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 Heritage Cup match styles from from uh, NXT UK or the Proteus Proteus, yeah, the Proteus World Championship in progress because they kind of tried to create this you know knockouts or, or thing. But then if you're going to sell, getting kicked in the face or getting punched as a knockout blow, and yet there are guys getting thrown through tables and getting curb stomped on the on the ring apron and that's apparently not devastating enough to put them away for a three count you kind of lose that internal logic with the rest of the show so uh, but this doesn't have any of those other matches that kind of destroy the logic it's very internal it's very internal the logic is internalized there's everyone's world exists here no one else is going to no sell that so we had a few uh, we had a few good match. We had we had a few good matches. The big selling points for this match uh, were Davy Boy Smith Jr. versus KTB. KTB has been on AEW a few times. I forget what KTB stands for. It's some. I think it's like Ke- Kevin the Killer the Beast or something like that. Kevin the Beast. It's interesting. He's a very very talented big man. He can do a cool, he can do a line saw for God's sakes. Uh, Davy Boy Smith Jr. Of course, the son of the late great British Bulldog Davy Boy Smith. Uh, supposedly David Smith Jr. is going to NXT UK soon enough. So this was kind of his last hurrah. Very, uh, he won by a powerbomb on KTB. Uh, knockout, of course. Leo Rush versus Yoya. Also really good, big name, really good match, all things considered. Uh, so he won by his submission. I can't remember what the submission move was, but yeah, I, um, very good stuff. Simon Grimm, the former Simon Gotch, submitted Alexander James by one of his patented cross arm breakers. Uh, Simon Grimm has kind of taken a niche for himself as a arm bar specialist, which is a pretty funny gimmick. Alex Kulin versus Royce Isaacs. Alex Kuflin, if I'm saying that right, is a former young lion from New Japan, winning uh, against Royce Isaacs in a pretty big upset, all things. Uh, with a half Boston Crab, because, you know, Young Lion, and that's his thing, is using the, using the, um, the, 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 the boss, the half crab. Yeah, it, sorry if I'm, if I'm saying, saying that funny, because it's just kind of funny that he used the half crab when they always do that. Then we had Chavo Guerrero Jr. beating uh, Rocky Romero by submission, or ref stoppage, sorry, he won by ref stoppage. And, of course, the big match of the night, was Josh Barnett himself versus John Moxley? 
uh, Josh Barnett winning by just absolutely going crazy on Moxley's face with a ton of stomps. Like if you've ever seen what Daniel Bryan does with those curb stomps where he grabs both the guy's wrists and he just then starts stomping on them. That was basically it. He just did that to Moxley and then the ref was like, ah, yep, no, no, I'm stopping this. I am stopping this. And Moxley, of course, being the uh, the brainless uh, fight machine and fueled only by the damage and pain of his enemies, decided, no, no, this is too early. I can still fight as he tries to stand up and swings at the air, landing a lot of good hits at the air, but not at Josh Barnett like was necessary. Really fun night over all, all in all. I do love the concept of blood sports. I love the presentation. The matches are always fun. I love the more technical style wrestling. I've always expressed why. Uh, Drew Drew Gulak is one of my favorite wrestlers because of that. Zack Sabre Jr. also amazing. Uh, another match happened up. Uh, another match is happening again. Impact is having that their Rebellion pay per view. They are having the Impact versus Kenny Omega match, as well as Finn Juice of David Finley and Juice Robinson versus the Good Brothers for the Impact World Tag Team Championship. Diana Diana Pizarro Pizarro Purizo Purizo. I always say her name wrong. Is going up and. Is going up against Tennille Dashwood with Caleb with a K for the Impact Knockouts Championship, the Women's Division Championship. Ace Austin with Madman Fulton, the former Fulton from the was it Fulton or was it Sawyer? I think it was something Sawyer. Fulton Sawyer. Fulton Sawyer. Yeah, I think it was Fulton Sawyer from uh, NXT. An original member of Sanity is going against Josh Alexander and TJP. Josh Alexander, a member of the Monsters Tag Team with or former since Ethan Page is now in is now in uh, AEW. So yeah, Josh and they're in for the Impact X Division Championship. Matt Cardona is going up against former Edgehead Brian Myers after they had their pick your poison match where Brian Myers defeated his opponent, uh, Jake something, and Card- Cardona lost to Sammy Callahan. Trey McGill is going up against Sammy Callahan in a last man standing matchup. Big blood feud going on here. Callahan should be a pretty fun match. Then we have an eight-man tag team match. Chris Saban, Eddie Edwards, James Storms, and Willie Mack are going up against the really cool, and I really do like the idea of Violent by Design, led by Eric Young, uh, Diener, Joey De- Joe Daring, and Rhino. Love Violent by Design. I love the concept of Violent by Design. It's kind of cultish, really intense group of individuals, and it's got a very intimidating lineup, obviously. Eric Young, Joe Doring, and Rhino. Diener is Diener's pretty good. All things he 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 is pretty he's pretty good. Um though I still can't get over him being one of the Diener brothers, but yeah. Then Fire and Flava are Kira Hogan and Tash, Tasha Steeles are going up against Jordan Grace in a mystery opponent for the Impact Knockouts Tag Team Championship. Should be a fun night. I'm glad to see Impact is doing so much better now because, you know, they deserve it. Impact is very underrated. They they do a lot right. They have some of the most colorful characters in wrestling. If you've ever seen Wrestle House, that just expresses how, how strong their characters are because they can just put these people in one situation and they just chemistry is instantly there whatever you want to say about the comedy like even i'll admit the comedy wasn't great in russell house but the fact that they had these such identifiable personalities and all their interactions felt so genuine that i just i have to give them a praise where i think in a world where a lot of more character work is being lost or becoming a bit more realistic it's kind of fun to see a promotion still go to basics and do these really over the cup over the top gimmicks and supernatural stuff and just all of it to be embraced so well 
So I, I do love Impact for that. And obviously, as shown, they have a lot of great characters in wrestling going on right now in this pay-per-view. And another big news in the world of combat sports is that we have Ben Askren versus Jake Paul in a boxing match. Ben Askren, former NCAA division wrestling wrestler uh, and freestyle, of course, a former MMA wrestler, uh, MMA wrestler with 19 wins, two losses. Um, by the way, t- uh, six, uh, six of those wins were by knockout, meaning, you know, he knocked them out with punches. Uh, let's see how many did he win by punches? Uh, one, two, three, four. Yeah. Uh, five, five of those were by punch. <laughs> TKOs were by punches. So he went up against Jake Paul, the, the boxer who, uh, the brother of Logan Paul, of course, and lost by TKO in a minute and 59 seconds into the first round. Now, I've heard some people say that he was, and I, I will defend this, the ref stopped it maybe a little early. I think Askren still had a bit to give in this match, but yeah, that's kind of embarrassing. I, I, I hate to be one of those guys, but it is, it was def- it's definitely an upset that it's a shame too, since I, Askren seems like a fun guy. And really interesting, and a lot of people I know, and I feel like he had a lot of pressure on him to beat Jake Paul, since not a lot of people like Jake Paul or either of the Logan brothers, uh, either of the Paul brothers, to be honest. But yeah, poor poor Ben Askren that he couldn't last as long as some of the other people that have fought Jake Paul in the last a uh, last uh, few months. Who else has he beaten? Just to double check, he has beaten. Um, Nate Robinson and Ann Ensign Gibb. I don't know how to say that. Nate Robinson is a untrained basketball player. Yes, you heard that right. And he won and he lasted two rounds. So yeah. So yeah, now Jake Paul has an official MMA uh, fighter on his on his uh win sheet. So he'll probably be writing that for a bit. His brother uh, Logan Paul is supposedly set to fight Floyd Mayweather in an exhibition match. We'll see how that goes. So yeah, interesting stuff all around within the world of boxing right now. And we are back, David listeners, by the way. Uh, we are back to the undercard with me, your host. Now then, let me just say, um, we're going to go into a new section now where we're going to talk a bit about the shows I have seen full in full. Uh, not just snippet uh, tidbits that I've seen online. I think these are two ma- pay-per-views I have seen in full, and I will be giving my reviews on them right now. So let's begin with NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver. Uh, so the, this was also a double night, of course. And yeah, this this is a good show. It was 500 people in total attendance at the Capital City Coliseum, the Capital Wrestling Center, if I'm correct in how, how they say that. But yeah, uh, this this was a really good night of NXT. It's it's always funny because NXT has this thing where it's like every time we build up to one, everyone kind of gives this assumption like, you know, this NXT is going to be kind of weak this time around. And it's like every time it delivers, every time we doubt it, we think it's going to be terrible, it delivers. And this was another one of those examples of it just delivering. So excuse me there for a second. What we had uh, for this show was, of course, the big build-up to night two was obviously the much, much bigger night with the blood feud from Kyle O'Reilly versus Adam Cole. 
over the Undisputed Era, Karrion Cross coming to reclaim his his title from current champion Finn Balor, and Escobar and Devlin to determine who is the true cruiserweight champion. That's not to say night one didn't have some great stuff. We had uh, Io Shirai trying to defend her title against Raquel Gonzalez, the mountain of a woman, and with the best shoulders. Like honestly, her, that, her shoulder, like she's so muscular. Her backs are, her shoulders are so muscular. It's just crazy. I'm honestly jealous and I feel inferior because of it. Then we had Walter versus Tommaso Ciampa, and despite Ch- Ciampa not being European, he challenged for the U- United Kingdom UK Championship. That is fun. Uh, who cares? I guess he's part Sicilian or something. That's fine by me. So yeah, let, let's uh, go into each match in full. In full, we had for night one. We started out with I wouldn't be doing any of the pre-show stuff. Actually, I probably should mention the pre-show actually for night two because it was a number one contenders match for the NXT Tag Team Championships. Um, Killian Dane and Drake Maverick won against Tyler Breeze and Fandango. Fandango, 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 whatever. So yeah, yeah, they they won that uh, opportunity, and Zoe Stark defeated Tony Storm in a big upset on night one. So yeah, good match, very out solid, good starter matches. So Pete Dunne versus Kushida for the first night, um, awesome. This match was awesome. <laughs> I, I that's all I could say. Yeah, I, I expressed already how much I love technical wrestling and how much I love the kind of joint manipulations and really clever counters to moves. And these guys have that in spades. Kushida is an amazing arm bar specialist. He knows how to target the arms. He can always find a way to lock in something interesting. Dunn is that full blown British style, that British strong style as they call it very, um, world of wrestling reminiscent, the old British TV show where, you know, they value technical wrestling and he has a viciousness that just meshed well with uh, Kushida's natural kind of underdog charm about him. So this was an awesome, awesome match, seeing them just completely go for each other's arms and trying to get the other to submit before Kushida fell to a bitter end. Nice stuff. Very nice stuff. Great opener. Then we had the six-man gauntlet eliminator match. So this was built off of a battle royale where the final six people would be entered into the gauntlet and then the last person remaining would be the one to come out last. So this was for the right to challenge Johnny Gargano for his North American championship on night two. We had Bronson Reed, Swerve Scott, L.A. Knight, the former Eli Drake, by the way, Cameron Grimes, Dexter Loomis, and Leon Ruff, former North American champion himself. Uh, Leon Ruff and Isaiah Swerve Scott started the matchup. Uh, Swerve um, started with a, he, he jumped the gun, of course, because they uh, Leon Ruff did it last time, so he wanted to get payback. Then we had out came, out came was uh, Bronson Reed. We had a bit of work with Isaiah Scott and Leon Ruff kind of working together for a bit to try to topple the mountain of a man that is Bronson Reed. I've been saying mountain of a man or woman quite a bit, but that's just the only way I can describe it. Bronson Reed is literally just a tropical storm in a nice little ball of a big boy senton boy. And yeah, do not get in his way or he will wreck your stuff. Like a, the wrecking ball that he is. There's just no there's just no limit to the words I can use to describe Bronson Reed. He's massive. He is a brick house that cannot be toppled. He is a tornado of meat and muscle. Okay, I'm going to stop now. But then 
we had entrance of Cameron Grimes, the newly kind of, he's kind of going with the whole JBL kind of thing where, you know, he was kind of a low-down uh, Southerner at first, and suddenly he's made it rich, and now he's really rich, and he's got all the money. So he worked with Isaiah Swerve Scott for a bit. He paid him off to to help him fight uh, Roth and Bronson Reed. Good stuff all in all, kind of keeping Bronson isolated with Swerve and Cameron doing some pretty good, interesting tag team, actually. They hit this one interesting maneuver at one point where Bronson was trying to get in, and then so Swerve went for a kick high, so he blocked high, and then uh, Grimes came in and baseball slide and knocked his legs out, so he while he was distracted, knocked down Bronson Reed to the outside. It was really cool to look at. Um Leon Ruff was eliminated by this point with Dexter uh, when Dexter Loomis started his approach to the ring. I didn't they didn't really show how Leon got eliminated, but uh, Swerve got the pin. I believe it was some kind of I, I, I they really didn't show, and I I, I don't want to say what it was because I don't want to be in, incorrect because I do have a habit to be uh, my facts my facts can sometimes be incorrect, and I don't want to just say say what I don't know. So yeah, Scott eliminated Leon Ruff though by whatever means. Uh, Dexter Loomis then came out and neutralized Bronson again with a nice DDT. Bron- uh, Dexter scared off Cameron Grimes for a bit because Cameron, of course, still has the fear of the of Dexter from the haunted house. Uh, Dexter did, doing some really really fun stuff. He got, got some guys into the silence. He did some of his nice uh, striking and yeah, being the really good powerhouse in this match. Then LA Knight came out, cut a really fun promo. LA Knight's gonna be really fun in NXT. I know some people were complaining about it, and but he 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 has charisma. He has a good brawler style, and I, I'm really excited to see where they go with him because he he really is just one of those heels that you just want to punch. He has this. He's very cocky. He's this veteran that thinks he deserves this respect because of his experience around the world. He feels like he's he's come here now, and everyone should just step aside. But Bronson Reed, of course, ain't having any of that and just threw LA Knight into the match. LA Knight did some good power, hit a good power slam at one point to, uh, to I think it was to Cameron Grimes. He had like a pop up power slam. He got caught into the silence. Dexter Loomis's side um, arm triangle choke, or he proceeds it with a sit out side slam and he locks in the locks in the arm triangle. And but as he was doing that. Or was it? no? Actually, I was wrong about that. Uh, he locked it into Scott. He locked in Scott into the silence, and then L.A. Knight came in and hit a jackknife cover on a Dexter while he had it locked in, forcing him to break the hold, but got pinned. And while Ruff was bragging about his victory, Bronson came in and knocked him out of the match with a, I believe it was a Death Valley Driver. I think that took him out, or was it Scott who did it? I my memory is bad at this moment. Let me. I'll double check, but either way, LA and I got eliminated himself, and he. Oh, it was uh, Grime Scott and Reed. That's right, because Reed was last after they hit a, a series of moves. Like I think it was two super kicks and then a Dixus Lariat. I think took him out. I'm probably completely incorrect about that, but I apologize. But LA Knight, yeah, was eliminated next, and out on the outside, LA Knight got choked out by, uh, by Dexter Loomis. Grimes then was eliminated next. I believe it was a faulty roll-up where he tried to roll up Scott, and then Scott rolled into another one and grabbed the tights and got the pin. 
if I'm correct, I'm blanking on some of these matches. I do really do apologize for that. This is horribly unprofessional of me. <laughs> but it, yeah, it came down to Isaiah Scorp Scott and Bronson Reed. And it was this was a lot of fun. This was a lot of fun to see. Breed was struggling to stand at this point, and Swerve was using his speed to kind of duck and weed the attacks as he started hitting some house calls, his leaping kick to the side of the head. And as he just kept whittling away at Bronson, at one point hits three house calls to get the mammoth down to the mat and then goes for the pin. Bronson still kicks out. Swerve then goes for the Swerve Stomp. He, that does not bode too well for him as he gets caught then, and Bronson hits a what looks like a dead shot, the old kind of belly-to-back pile driver that Hangman on Page does, but instead of kneeling to it, he sat down with it, so... It, it kind of looks like a variation of the of the kind of kryptonite crunch and the uh yeah the cradle kind of belly to belly that belly to back pile driver that hangman page does so it, was, it looked brutal though is the basic point and then he hits the tsunami splash from the top rope and he won the match bronson reed won i was not expecting this i i was honestly not expecting this to happen i really thought it was gonna be loomis or la knight because it was johnny gargano but no, and I was very happy because Bronson has been consistently one of the best performers on NXT. He is a very talented big man. He can do crazy high-flying stuff. Yeah, honestly, a great talent. He can sell. He can... It's a great power game. He's maybe a little slow sometimes, but he's really, really good, and I do love him. Then we had our match between Walter and Tommaso Ciampa, and this match was also all sold around Ciampa using his... He's kind of using uh, targeted attacks to Walter's hand because, you know, a lot of Walter's offense, his powerbomb, his chokes, his chops all rely on the use of his hand. So he so he can't lock in the fingers together because anytime he would, his hand would start to hurt or Chompa would like smack it to cause extra pain. So th- that match was whole this whole match is built around that. And it was, yeah, it was much better than I expected. It kind of started off a bit slow, but it built up at one point. Walter is up against the ropes, and Champa just then starts running the ma- running the ring, hitting clothesline after clothesline after clothesline. I think he hit almost, I think he hit over 10 clotheslines to the Walter when he was stuck in the ropes at one point, just targeting back and never letting up his speed. Just amazing cardio on the part of Tommaso Champa. But... It was not to be, even though he had worked a brilliant game trying to keep the arm back and uh, keep keep the hand broken and trying to get it. He fell to a he fell to like a wicked clothesline again, as is the case with Walter to hit the that crazy burning lariat. And yeah, he sadly was not able to win the title from Walter, but awesome match awesome awesome stuff these two just intense brutal meat slapping on meat chops and chops and chops for days awesome i love this match great stuff then we had our triple threat tag team match for the vacant nxt tag team champions msk of wesley nash carter the former rascals up against grizzled young veterans james drake and zach gibson and legato del fantasma of Raul Manduza and Joaquin Wild, awesome again. Again, another awesome match. It was very solid tag team stuff. Legato was clearly, uh, I think, kind of they 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 weren't seen as the potential winners, but the they gave a lot of time to them to try to kind of make a name for themselves. They hit 
some fun. They hit their tag team. They had to hit, hit their tag team finisher near the end, where um, Wesley, I think, kicked out. I think it was Wesley who did it, or was it? No, it was Nash. Nash sorry, Nash Carter then kicked out of the Legado del Fantasma finisher after they had a sustained run of dominance. And of course, it was back to grizzled young veterans versus MSK from the Dusty Rhodes Classic. A lot of great spots here, of course. Uh, Fantasma was taken out by. James Drake and um, Zach Gibson hitting the electric chair to the out- suicide dive to the outside. The doomsday doomsday device where Drake hits a suicide dive, and uh, Joaquin Wild was taken out with a tag team maneuver by Wesley and Nash. I forget which one it was. I don't think it was their their heart attack blockbuster, but oh no, it was the final flash. They hit the final flash on him and knocked him out. And left those two again, and they had a, a, a nice mini match, which uh, kind of reminiscent of their time from D- the Dusty Rhodes Classic. But yeah, it, it, I, I was rooting for the Grizzled Young Veterans, but I don't think the match was ever truly in doubt that MSK was probably going to win. They were the new guys; they had won. I think it was always set in stone for them to win, and they're going to make good champions. They have a funny kind; of, they have funny characters, and they're going to do a good job. So they're very they're very similar to Matt Riddle in a way. They're very much that dude where's my car kind of idea. If you've ever seen their impact stuff, that's kind of what they're going for. My bad. Let's drop something. Uh, but regardless, they um, yeah they won. They're our current NXT Tag Team Champions, and I'm gonna be happier for that. Now our main event for the night was Raquel Gonzalez with Dakota Kai versus Io Shirai. Io Shirai, of course, had been the women's champion for. How many days has she been champion? Let me double check that. She has been champion for da, 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 304 days. Wow. Yeah, 304 days. I mean, taking it from Charlotte Flair back on um, TakeOver In Your House. Yes, I do remember that. That was a good match. But Raquel Gonzalez here. This was this was a good match. It uh, played up with Io Shirai trying to use her speed again to try to take down Gonzalez. It was, I'd say, not the best match on the card. All in all, I, I, it wasn't my favorite. But uh, Raquel Gonzalez won after she kicked out of the moonsault from Io Shirai and then went to the outside where she hit her one arm choke bomb, which really needs a name, by the way. They really need to give that a name if they want to keep her character alive. She's going to be a competitor, a top competitor now. She needs to have her name. So uh, her new, her moves need to have names. But yeah, her one arm choke bomb. Uh, to the outside, and then she rolled her back in, hit it again in the inside of the mat, and won. Honestly, amazing. So, I mean, amazing storyline wise, because now this easily sets up something huge with Dakota Kai and her very Shawn Michaels, Kevin Nash ish. So, solid night all in all with with um, NXT. So, can move on to night two of action: Santos Escobar versus Jordan Devlin. For the Cruiserweight Champion, Jordan Devlin, of course, was the original NXT Cruiserweight Champion, but got um, blocked off in England because of the pandemic and was not able to defend. So instead of stripping him of the title, they decided to give an interim title to the guy who can then actively defend the title while the real champion is off. And Santos Escobar won that round-robin tournament where Drake Maverick was also fighting for his his uh, chance to be employed at NXT because that was also, lest we forget the time when they had just fired everyone. And so they were using this as an excuse to build a story with um, Drake Maverick. So yeah, this was a ladders match and it was a very, very good ladders match. There was some great spots. It was interesting that Escobar kind of played up the, the, the heel a bit more to Devlin's face, even though I think a lot of people in the, 
of the people in attendance, they really were behind Escobar, which I can't blame. Escobar is awesome. I love Escobar. He has a great, he's very powerful. He's very quick and he's got fun character going on with Legado del Fantasma. And there was, it was a good kind of spot fest of a match. We had some good follows by Jordan Devlin to the ladders, uh, toppling, um, trying to run this. There was one that I really enjoyed where they had, Two and I'm trying to remember how he broke it up, but uh, I can't remember at the moment. I do apologize, but fun stuff all in all. This was this was a good match. This, this was a good match, and Escobar ended up winning by when he they had them on the on the t- they were both on the top, and then Escobar hits a massive headbutt to Devlin, and he falls through a ladder, and he got and got up and unhooked both titles. So Santos Escobar is our current champion. Then we had our tag team cha- women's tag team champion match of Ember Moon, Shotzi Blackheart defending against the way of Candice LeRae and Edie, Indy Hartwell. Indy Hartwell, uh, another fun match. There was a very scary spot at one point where Shotzi Blackheart did one a suicide dive and she completely over rotated and overshot Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell. To which I actually yelled an obscenity in public to my, to which my mom was like, Oh my God, what happened? I'm like, nothing. She just did something really, really crazy and stupid. So it was, yeah, she, she flew right above them and just did a kind of a cartwheel midair crashed into the mat. Very scary, but yeah, this is some solid stuff. Solid tag work by both teams. They all entertained. There was a really nice finisher where, uh, Shotzi got, uh, it was, uh, Ember moon put her in a backbreaker, uh, backstabber hold and then Shotzi hit the senton to to uh, I believe it's Candice. It was a really cool finishing maneuver there. But yeah, um, th- that was a good spot. But uh, after the match was won by Shotzi Blackheart hitting her coarser senton onto Hartwell after Moon hit both of her her her, her top rope uh, stunner the eclipse to both women. Really cool spot also there. But then we got, uh, yeah, good match. So the way did not sadly win this. But then we had Johnny Gargano versus Bronson Reed, who'd won the right, as mentioned, stated previously. Another awesome match. Again, we've had a lot of these uh, small guy versus big guy matches, but now we can have one where the heel is the little guy versus uh, the big guy being the heel and the small guy being the face. So this was a really nice, intense match. We had... Uh, Gar- Gargano was trying to work the midsection of Bronson throughout the majority of this match. He did a lot of kicks, trying to obviously go for, trying to keep him from using any of his big moves. And it was also Bronson being a lot slower and a lot more, um, a, a, using a lot more power game, trying to hit those big moves on the Gargano, who he knew couldn't take them as well as he could, uh, being since he was being the smart guy. So he kept constantly going to the top rope, and every time he would just do this really slow trek to try to hit it. I think he he missed the tsunami twice, and he also tried to go for a moonsault, and that did not work. It was really good stuff. It was really fun because it was just building around that story of just needing to hit that perpetual nuke of a finisher that is the tsunami and not being able to hit it. And it was a really good story told by both men. Gargano is an amazing ring general. And he bumped, and he bumped a lot for, for Bronson, and Bronson sold for Gargano, and Gargano had to take him out by using two one final beats, his uh, slingshot DDT to Reed. So a lot of respect there. Uh, not a lot of interference by Austin. At one point, Austin, uh, the most he did was he came in and he stopped Bronson from being able to jump. To which then Bronson came out and ripped off his shirt and tossed, uh, tossed uh, Austin into Johnny Gargano, which is pretty funny. 
So I, I love the the ways whole kind of family dynamic that Candace and Johnny are the parents and Austin and Dee are the, the children, the troubled children. Then for the co-main event, we had Carrying Cross returning from his injury against Finn Balor. They had some interesting statistics here. Balor had been undefeated for a while in NXT uh, competition since returning, and Carrying Cross had been undefeated in singles action up to this point. This one was... Uh, I remember one guy saying he described this as kind of the most main roster of matches, which, yeah, it is. It's it's very uh, NXT New Age... NXT Finn Balor, where he's a lot more methodical in, in a good way. It, it's not, I don't want to say it was a bad match, but it was definitely different. It was definitely one of the more di- one of the different matches of the night. Balor was working the arm in midsection of cross. It was a really cool spot where Balor uh, did a spinning heel kick to carrying Cross's liver, and Cross took a few steps and suddenly yelled out in pain as he is the delayed reaction of a kidney of a liver shot, then finally took over. It was interesting seeing Cross kind of more in this this um, more vulnerable position. They were trying to sell the idea that uh, Balor was really, he's very emotionless, he's very analytical, so he doesn't get f- frustrated like Cross does, which they, they did very well. They did very well, but it was interesting seeing Cross actually get kind of dominated and almost look helpless at certain cases when they've sold him as this world-ending gladiator, like this this actual force of nature, this apocalyptic man. So it was very interesting to see him kind of look a little weak to Bauer, but he ended up winning. He attempt, There was a really cool spot where Bauer hit the coup de gras and went for the pin, and just like I blink, I literally blinked, and then suddenly Cross had him in the 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 the, the sleeper hold. I, I I was like, oh my god, what just happened? What uh, that was so quick, and I, again, I literally just blinked, and he had him. Then suddenly, at, he went from being pinned right into the sleeper hold, and it was so quick. Uh, several doomsday suplexes, doomsday saidos, I should say, by Cross onto Bauer's head, really dropped him, and then Balor, he went for the forearm strike. I don't think they've really given that a name. It's a running forearm to the back of the head, not a disc, not even like a discus, but it's like uh, just like a running forearm to the back of the head of Balor. So, I mean, I'd call it a sliding D, but there's no sliding to it. I would call it a discus elbow, but there's no discus to it, so... It's just a running elbow to the back of the head. What can I say? It's, it's effective, though. Carrion does it really well. It's, it has a ton of impact. It can be hit on anyone. So, yeah, he, he attempted it the first time, and Bauer hit the Pele kick, a really cool counter. But then the second time around, after the Doomsday Saitos, he finally managed to hit it. And Carrion Cross has reclaimed his NXT championship. Amazing run by Bauer in the last few months. He has carved out a new uh, character for himself, and it's... It was honestly better than I think anyone could give him credit for. Then I think everyone kind of expected, you know, just a little bit of a nostalgia run, but this was completely different. He changed himself. He changed how people perceived him as a wrestler and what he could do and showed off why he still is one of the best in the world today. Final match was Kyle O'Reilly versus Adam Cole. Now, to explain something about NXT for a second... And one of my biggest gripes about them, because I love NXT. It's probably my favorite wrestling program out there right now. I'm very willing to say that. Again, in resp- even if people want to call me biased or anything towards that, I, I, I maybe maybe I am a little bit. I maybe can't deny that I do prefer it or AEW, but I am willing to admit when there's something wrong with the product. And NXT has some flaws. One of their biggest flaws is this need to create 
like really, really self-indulgent over like over like very melodramatic work with their feuds because it, normally they're great. And I think they, they're, they're desperate to recapture the, the DIY DIY feud of, of Champa and Gargano because it was no feud at this point had had that heat, that true bitter hatred these two had for each other. And I think few other programs have managed to achieve that this had. I mean, Champa was able to just come out to the audience just and was booed relentlessly. Everything he did, they they just hated him for. And th- they've been trying to recapture that. And sometimes he just comes off really, really forced. And that is the biggest issue I have sometimes with NXT. When you can predict when a match you know is going to go really long, it's going they're going to push it just because they want to push it as because it's a blood feud. It is these men hate each other, but they never really can just give like a good sprint of a match and then have it. Like that's kind of what the issue with with the um, one final beat cinematic match was it just, they it went on for way too long. They did a lot of the original spots that they didn't really try anything new. Like the other two matches, they just kind of did the stuff we expected because it seemed smart. It, and it, I mean, it, some were smart, but some of it was just kind of like kind of pretentious. Like, yeah, we've seen this before. We know he's going up to the top thing. always contemplating hitting the air raid siren. And it would have been fun seeing a heel Gargano versus a face Champa, but they just, they oversold it. It's like they overbooked the whole concept of the match and it just kind of became really like it became really forced to the point where you just kind of shut off because it's it becomes so self-indulgent so indulgent and pretentious at certain points. And this I saw this a bit with O'Reilly and Cole. They they really tried to sell this as as that kind of match and you know unsanctioned. And to be fair, the build to this, this build has been great. They really have sold the idea that they want that these two are just literally out for murder. They they have to do an unsanctioned match because they there could be a potential life-ending co- implications to this match. And so, yeah, I think build-wise, it's been great, but 40 minutes for this was so much. There's just, it was, that was a lot of time to dedicate to this. And I may, I don't want to say that the breakup of the Undisputed Era was abrupt, but there it did, I feel like there should have been a bit more impact to it. And I feel like something never fully clicked with me when it came to this match. But uh, even then, I still have to say, really well done, well done by these two. There, it was really a, real, a well-done match. A lot of great stuff, like when uh, Cole escaped the guillotine choke by slamming him through the grate of the entrance. That was a great spot. Uh, one spot I forgot to mention for Shirai versus Gonzalez was uh, there was a 20-foot-tall skull at the entrance that was a really cool skull for stand and deliver that the eyes would always change to match whoever was coming out it's like their their kind of logo or their gimmicks would be reflected in the eyes of the skull but it was on the entrance and shirai did a jump to hit gonzalez i forgot to mention that that was a really cool spot they showed it a lot from different angles because they were clearly really proud and trying to get the two women had time to recover but uh, Cole and O'Reilly, they broke through the grade of it. Then Cole literally kicked off the side of the entrance to pull Kylo O'Reilly out. You could feel the hatred. You could definitely feel the hatred in this match. But I wonder if I'm, but uh, as I was saying that, I wonder if that was also just because of the shared history between the two of them, as they've also done this kind of thing in ring of honor before that really helped it out. 
But I, I don't want to say because it wasn't a bad match, but I think NXT does have this tendency to do that where they will try to really sell something as emotional and intense instead of, you know, just letting the emotions and intensity be more a bit, be a natural. Like that's what made DIY such a great feud is because it was it felt so organic and natural. And yeah, great match all in all. I, I can't do it justice. So much happened. Again, Kylo O'Reilly ended up winning by wrapping up his knee in a chain and hitting an atomic knee drop on the top rope and the back of of, Garg- of uh, Cole's head into a steel chair. Yes, it got that intense. Uh, Cole did a lot of great stuff with the chain where he wrapped his old leg around it and then hit, put him in the put Kylo into the figure figure four of Kylo O'Reilly wrapped wrapped his leg up to hit some uh, Kawada kicks onto Cole's face. Stellar work from both men. Props. We are back, Doobie audience, for our last 30 minutes. Yes, this is the last 30 minutes of the undercard. I hope you're all having a good time so far. I do apologize for my various mistakes so far. It's been a while since I saw the match from NXT Stand and Deliver, and I really thought I could remember all from memory, but that was not the case. But I hope I still was able to give you some insight into some of the better matches. I basically just said they were all awesome because they pretty much were all awesome. Now then, let us do the big daddy of them all. Let's do WrestleMania. Let us look over what happened at this year's WrestleMania. Finally, making use of the pirate gimmick that I really wanted to do last time. It had an amazing uh, uh, forget of some kind. I believe it. I think forget is what it would be called. A gallon? A galleon? Something like that. I don't know my ships very well, but yeah, it was on top of the ramp, and it was really cool because it would shoot the fireworks out of the cannons. Massive sales where the title, the WrestleMania logo was placed upon. Sadly, big issue with WrestleMania this year. It was outdoors, which meant that weather uh, obviously was not a um, was not scripted. The rest, apparently, weather still believed in kayfabe and decided to shoot on everyone and rained all over the place. So there were some delays starting WrestleMania, which meant some of the wrestlers had to kind of cut impromptu promos on their matches. It was all right. Some of the guys, some of the more natural talkers like Kevin Owens and Big E were able to muster up some good stuff with what they had. But it felt really weird to see. And it kind of affected, supposedly it affected some of the matches too because some matches seemed noticeably shorter or cut short or a little bit more, a little slower because they were working around the, obviously the um, this more slippery rings. So there, it's hard to say what exactly happened, but everyone still kind of suspects the rain or if they're even if the matches were done completely as planned, there was still some obvious slip ups and botches in a few matches. For example, let the uh, tag team turmoil match of for the WWE women's tag team championship. This was a bit of a disaster. This was not, this, this was not a great match. It was the, um, it was Lana, Naomi, Billy Kay and Carmella, Billy Kay. Yeah. The person who just got released Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose, just Dana Brooke is not fired. That's funny. Again, I don't want to be the guy that's like, you know, why is this person hired? This guy's not fired. But it just seems really weird at times. You know, it's just who's being released, like Samoa Joe over some of these other people. Uh, Then the Riot Squad, the Natalia and Tamina. Very, very basic formula for tag team turmoil. Uh, Two teams start, the one team wins and gets some nice babyface wins, and the last team comes in and wrecks stuff. Very bad. There were a lot of botches. There were a lot of miscommunications. Some moves didn't ever look like they hit. Um, Ruby Wright kept getting knocked to the outside and leaving Liv to do a lot of the heavy lifting. 
there was supposedly a wardrobe malfunction with Dana Brooke at one point. Mandy Rose slipped on the entranceway there. Very plotting, just very slow. And Tamina and Natalia won. Yes, the charisma vacuums won the match. Okay, to be fair, Tamina has been getting a lot of... She's been getting cheered. People want her to win, it seems. I don't know if it's a schadenfreude thing or if they genuinely have grown to like the Natalia and Tamina thing, but just I don't like to be the negative one and be rude to people, but it's like... Natalia and Tamina, they don't have a ton of charisma. They haven't. They don't really have interesting characters outside of you know being veterans. They have nothing about. They're not like L.A. Knight who had who have a specific kind of cockiness and play to their strengths of being veterans. Natalia and Tamina are literally just. Oh yeah, our dads were famous and we've been here a while. Like us, that's that's not enough. When you could have had the Riot Squad win, Liv Morgan, Ruby Riot, who are some of the best in the on the roster right now, go up against. Uh, Shayna and and Nia Jax, but they wanted the Nia versus Tamina thing. So yeah, yeah, not a great match. Very very bad. Very dull. Yeah, so and not a great winner all in all. So I mean, people liked seem were very much behind Tamina. So I can I guess I can give them that. Uh, but the actual opening match of the night was Bobby Lashley versus Drew McIntyre. This was a really good match. This was a really I didn't expect this to be the opener, but. This was a really hot match to start off with. There was a lot of uh, great kind of coll- collisions, a lot of great uh, one-upsmanship of tossing each other out of the ring. Drew hit an amazing tope con hero to the outside onto both Drew and MVP, who was trying to... He, did, he didn't do a ton, to be fair. Excuse me there for a second. But at one point, he did play a factor where, as Drew was uh, setting up for the... Claymore, he began his charge and suddenly MVP yelled out, Bobby or Drew or something like that. He yelled out one of their names and Drew took one quick look over to the side to make sure he wasn't on the apron, then charged again. Then Bobby Lashley ducked and dodged the the um, the Claymore. I kind of like that spot a little bit. Probably my other favorite beyond the really good spot in Cole and Gargano. Uh, Cole and O'Reilly were... Uh, uh, Adam Cole is trying to get him to stand up for the last shot. And O'Reilly just kind of keeps slumping down the only way he's avoiding the last shot. So I, I thought those are both very, I thought it was kind of a cool spot to see, you know, it wasn't a full on distraction, but it was just like how one split second of, of lapse and concentration can avoid, can prevent you from winning. Uh, Drew hit the future shock DDT. Uh, and lastly still kicked out. He kicked out the future shock DDT. He did not kick out the claymore at any point to be fair. But there was a lot of good work by Lashley trying to lock in the the hurt lock, to which at the very end, after he missed the claymore, he did it. He he managed to get the the hurt lock put in, and oh, McIntyre refused to tap and passed out. So Lashley's retained. <laughs> yeah, I, I was I did not expect that. I literally did not think that Lashley was going to retain. I, I thought it was set in stone that that um. That, that, that Drew was going to win for the live audience. I think everyone kind of expected that, but no, yeah, he, he did not. Even took him three Future Shock DDTs and a lot of belly-to-belly suplexes, by the way, to to not to to try to win. But he just he fell to the hurt lock. Really good stuff, though. It was a really strong match. Two just massive lads going at it again. Some sometimes you just like to see a like I said, just a proverbial train. Uh, two trucks just running into each other. Sometimes that's just the most fun. Uh, what was also fun was Cesaro versus Seth Rollins in a awesome, awesome, awesome match. But it was the whole buildup was this was the biggest match of Cesaro's career and how he'd never fully 
realize his potential, which was Cesaro's fault, not WWE's fault. Let's, let's, let's forget that. It's never been WWE's fault that Cesaro hasn't grabbed the brass ring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's fair, and the sky is green. But either way, they props to them they gave him they gave them some good time and he he did a one of his famous giant swings where he got over 22 rotations and this also before he even did the giant swing he'd performed a ufo on the seth rollins the ufo being a torture rack airplane spin no hands too so just completely balancing on his shoulder as he spins around like Cesaro just isn't human. He, 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 there's no way Cesaro could be human to be able to do the things he does, the strength he has, the cardio he do, he has in his system to be able to do that. But yeah, Cesaro, he, he, he used the big swing to get um, Seth really nice and dizzy. Then he hit a second neutralizer. Seth had kicked out of a neutralizer previously and went, won the match. It was a great, really great feel-good moment, and Cesaro was able to like, conduct the crowd at the end where he would point to them and they'd cheer, and then he'd point to another section and they would cheer. Cesaro is over. C- Cesaro is over. Push him. He can beat Bobby Lashley. Push Cesaro. Please just push Cesaro. What does this man have to do for you to like him, Vince? Ugh. Either way, fun match. A lot of a lot of European uppercuts thrown by Cesaro. A lot of awesome Seth Rollins heelness being the Messiah where he's just, you know, really snarky and thinks he's better than everyone. So then we had AJ Styles and Omos versus Omos. 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 I, I still have a hard time saying the name since everyone else says it differently too. Versus the New Day. This was this was not a very WrestleMania match. This was a really weird match. The whole idea of Styles being a singles wrestler who didn't get the idea of being a tag team, so he kept struggling with Xavier and Kofi's constant tagging, tagging in, tagging out. Uh, Kofi and Xavier brought back the unicorn stop at one point to keep uh, Styles isolated, you know, where they drop him in the corner and they do like the mud stomps that Steve Austin made so famous, but they'd all add in like their own little dances to it. It, it was fine match. They, the whole idea was Styles trying to get to Omis who was obviously, you know, he's seven feet tall and he's massive, so he was going to just absolutely wreck everyone that would come in, which he did. Styles managed to, at one point when they were, the, the New Day were going for their finisher, uh, Woods was on the top rope, and then Kofi tried to lock in the, I think he was going for the pendulum, and the pendulum backbreaker, then Styles pushed him out of the ring, and Xavier was hilarious in this. Xavier was really, really funny, where he just was constantly like, you know, we, we, we split the ring in half. We, this is amazing tag team work, Corey. This is great stuff. Just like absolutely taking all the trite and cliched calls that the commentary would make when doing tag team stuff and like just calling it himself. And then he saw Stylus when he was about to tag Omos. And he's like, no, no, don't you dare. Don't you dare do that. Xavier's awesome. I love Xavier Woods. But then Omos tagged in and there was nothing they could do. That New Day just, Xavier tried for a crossbody and just, flopped like a dead fish against a wall on on Omis. He caught Kofi in midair with a choke slant with a, with a uh, spine buster of sorts, like a standing spine buster. It was really cool. And yeah, he won with one foot. He stepped on Kofi's chest and they won the tag team championship. Omis is clearly very, very green still. He clearly still needs some work, but he has the physical charisma to help him I think get by with someone like AJ Styles who can do most of the ring work since AJ is still in his prime, honestly, even at 40. He can still do some really good stuff. And I, I think this tag team could work. 
We had Braun Strowman versus Shane McMahon. Not a great match. All in all, Shane got way too much offense in and Braun sold way too much for him. But I can say one thing. They clearly were trying to make Braun look cool again because at one point, Shane's climbing down the side of the cage. He could literally just jump off and he'd win the match on the steel cage. And he's so he puts his hand through the cage and he waves goodbye to Braun, who immediately just gets up, grabs his hand, and keeps him in place from dropping off and then punches his way through. No, he, yeah, he punches and rips his way through the steel cage to pull Shane McMahon back into the cage. Like that's the Braun Strowman. I know that is the Braun Strowman. I know and love not the weird, uh, Drew McIntyre, Dolph Ziggler one, not this other weird, uh, shaved head guy. Who's kind of an idiot who doesn't know what last but not least means. And is still getting beaten by, for God's sakes, getting beaten by Bobby, La- Bobby Lashley like it's nothing. The guy who could originally flip ambulances and could could break down the sky, could hold the world like Atlas, needing all this assistance and being beaten by Shane McMahon. At least they're trying to make him cool again. Looks like he is. He threw Shane. At one point, he dragged Shane up to the top of the cage and he shoved him off in a massive choke slam. Kind of ruined it because the whole idea was that Shane had been calling Braun stupid. So then he was like, this is for all the people that have been called stupid in their life. And it's, okay, that's a weird thing to be fighting for. But yeah, he proved he was smart at the end, I guess. So it wasn't a great match. It was more for the the angle and it was fun. It was not great. It's not overly awful. Not overly awful. Just by concept, I guess there was a lot of things I'd hated about it. Like I said, Shane getting so much offense in. Then for the biggest surprise, Bad Bunny and Damian Priest versus The Miz and Morrison. Bad Bunny, like, wow. He, he did an amazing job here. I mean, there were clearly he needed work in bumping. He had some times where he didn't look like he really knew how to take a bump or slide under the ring properly. But, dude, this guy could some of the stuff he did, he did a Canadian destroyer on a John Morrison. And I know that a Canadian destroyer for the most part is, I think more work of the guy getting pile drived, pile driven, pile driven. Who's the guy receiving the pile driver is more likely to take, do most of the work when it comes to Canadian destroyer, but it's both, both men are still doing a lot of stuff to make sure he's still making sure that a John isn't going to spike his head. He's making, he's still got to help add in the rotation for the flip to guide him into place. And the fact that he's able to do that was, incredible it was a and it was a really solid canadian story too it wasn't like a virgil joey janela one where it looked like he barely had any impact there was impact he did a, a crossbody to the outside he hit a tornado ddt a, yeah it was he he did a really good job he defeated all my expectations and it was some pretty good stuff at the beginning with miz going up against him where he really did not look like he had any kind of expectations and just kept getting taken out he got taken down with a head scissors to the outside miz's facial expressions are fantastic here my only downside is that damien priest kind of came off as an afterthought and damien priest is phenomenal i love damien priest i love his character the guy has a great look about him he is legitimately one of the most talented big men in the world right now his kicks are fantastic and I wish he had gotten a bit more in place here. There was a nice spot where Bad Bunny and Damian Priest hit a double Falcon Arrow. And I'm trying to remember how I can't remember who was who hit the how the who won how they won. Oh yeah, it was a I was trying to remember the finish of the match. It was a um electric chair by Damian Priest and Bad Bunny hit the hit a flying crossbody onto the guy on his ropes. He hit 
um, a Miz with the crossbody, and they pinned them. He pinned the Miz. It was wow. It was actually amazing. It's kind of a shame the Miz is really low on the card right now because he still has so much potential as a main event talent and with Morrison, but it is what it is. He doesn't lose a ton from being defeated here as of yet. And this is probably one of, this is legitimately one of the best celebrity performances I've seen in terms of like Mayweather. We expected him to do boxing stuff and Shaquille expected to do more kind of the big man stuff. But bunny, I was not expecting any of this from bad bunny. I have to seriously give him credit for being able to do this with such limited training and for Miz and Morrison being the great ring generals they are to guide him in the match. Then for the main event for the first night was Bianca Belair versus Sasha Banks. Um, brief note, even though I'm very happy for Belair and what, everything, she kind of gave away the finish of the match. She was as she came into the match, the ring and kind of was taking in all the sights of WrestleMania. She started crying, couldn't help but smile. And it's kind of like, I think she's winning the match. And 17 minutes later, she won the match. I was like, oh, she, of course she won the match. So just, I just want to point that out. I can't blame her. I probably would be, if I ever got to that kind of point, I would probably be very emotional too, but yeah, and then no credit to her. This was a great, great match. Sasha Banks, uh, Belair, very talented, both very talented women. And yeah, I, I love this match. This was a great match, except for Michael Cole, who, of course, didn't know what the heck he was doing. He called the finish where he was like, oh, Sasha Banks kicked out, but she didn't. And he kept insisting that Sasha Banks kicked out, even though it was clear Belair had pinned her with a great finishing sequence where Belair had her in the KOD torture rack. And then Banks whops her down into a backstabber for the crossface or the bank statement. But then she powers her up yet again for the KOD and knocks her right down. Great match. Loved it. Good finish. First night was okay. I mean, it wasn't the first night was okay. It was, it was an okay match. I, I think there was, it kind of lacked the WrestleMania feel though. I think that was my biggest flaws. I think it really lacked a WrestleMania feel to it that, I, I think could have saved it like Omis uh, and style Shane and Braun, uh, the tag team turmoil match never really felt very WrestleMania like Belair bunny and Lashley and Rollins and Cesaro all felt, all felt like they deserved to be on here. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe not even Cesaro versus Rollins at one point, but yeah, I don't know. It, it didn't feel like WrestleMania this time around, which is all I can say. Night two then starts with, uh, Randy Orton versus The Fiend. Really cool entrance by The Fiend where he comes out of a giant jack-in-the-box or box-like structure from Michael Cole. Okay. But, God, that was stupid. But it started off great. It, the Fiend dived from the top of, this, of the jack-in-the-box with a giant clothesline and took control with Raw, over Orton and managed to hit some good clotheslines of Uranagi Slam at one point, countered the RKO through sheer power and with the mandible claw. But then it just it fell into that awful trope that the Fiend matches seem to go into, where it's then suddenly they have to show his resilience, where the other guy spams a bunch of moves. He spammed uh, all the the impale the um, elevated DDT on onto Wyatt, and it's like okay, we get that the Fiend can take a lot of punishment, but it's not fun just to see the other guy just wail on him with these the same move. It's kind of why the, why the Rollins matches never really worked as well. Because we, we there's only so many times we can see Rollins stomp on the Fiend's head before we're like, okay, we get it. And it doesn't really do justice to the finisher, too, because it kind of it breaks it. Like one kick, one finisher, and then a kick out of one is awesome when done right. But when you just spam it 11 times and he kicks out at two, it just it loses the muster. 
it loses that muster. And Orton and Wyatt never had great chemistry to begin with, to be fair. But there, there was some nice stuff, like the Fiend yelling, yeah, 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 for Luke Harper. And at one point, he was going to go for the punt on Orton. Then after he after he finally rose up and got uh, Orton into the Sister Abigail, here is where the stupid malarkey happens. Alexa Bliss then suddenly appeared on the top of the jack-in-the-box with her a crown on where she was oozing this black ink. And the, the, uh, the Fiend is distracted. Then Orton hits one RKO, one RKO, and pins the Fiend at WrestleMania. God. The guy that could kick out of 11 curb stomps fell to one RKO. Why? 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 What was the point? Why couldn't he win? Why do you insist on Bray not winning at WrestleMania? I do not get this. And I, this was a dumb ending. And I hate it because then he gets so much, then the, uh, Bray gets so much crud for this. And it's not fair to Bray. He is a great talent. He is a great character, but you can't book him like this. It doesn't make sense for the character. He's meant, you cannot have him be like he's such an unstoppable force and then have him fall to one RKO. I get me, like, if you wanted to have it be like he was distracted by Bliss, that's one thing, but still to fall to one RKO and to lose again this match, like, He's not looked good in this in this feud at all. And why are you giving so much focus to Bliss, too? I get that you like Alexa Bliss, but come on. This is Bray's thing. This isn't Alexa's thing. You wrote him out. You did not... Like, don't act like this is something like this is punishment for Bray for going AWOL. No, you wrote him out of the last match and had him like, leave television for a bit. This isn't something like he... This is his choice. Like, that was his choice. It was, you know, you're writing him to start this thing with Alexa Bliss as his sister Abigail system. So now why is she turning on him? It doesn't make sense. And so next raw, of course she says like she doesn't need the fiend anymore. And the, the, she has a new power. So I guess Alexa bliss is appropriating the gimmick a bit. Okay. That's cool. Whatever. Fine. Dumb. This was dumb. I hate it because I love Bray Wyatt. I love the fiend and I love Randy. He can do really good stuff, but this was dumb. Five minutes dumb. And I hate that it's going to probably be, uh, wrestling news observers worst match of the year because of course it probably will be <laughs> then we had Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler versus Natalia and Tamina this is better than I expected I can say I mean it's a sad state of affairs when the best thing when a wrestler is like the best credit you can give her is hey she didn't hurt anybody this time great match yeah, no, that's not. Also, what is Nia Jax's character? Like, actually, what is her character? She goes from being an aloof giant, like, really proud and dignified, to then also cussing out her opponent like a brat. Like, what is your character exactly, Nia Jax? And why, do you, why can't you learn proper control of your body to, you know, hit moves? I mean, I know that comes out wrong, but I mean, like, there was this video of her doing box squats where the idea is you're supposed to put as little weight on the box as possible when doing the squat to learn control over your weight. And she's just doing it. She's just slamming down on the box. It's like, no, that's the exact opposite. You need to have some sense of control if you're going to do these dangerous moves. So, yeah. Either way, this is, this is fine. Uh, Tamina hit a body slam on a Nia Jax that kind of got a good pop. But all in all, um, yeah, Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax retain for whatever reason because, I don't know. Shayna Baszler's good. I hate that Shayna's kind of getting thrown through and seeing as the weaker link between the two when she's obviously the much, much better wrestler, much better character than Nia Jax is. But it was whatever, and Tamina seems over. So 
Shayna Baszler won with her her Kirifu to clutch on the night Natalia. So yeah, it was it was it was fun. After Natalia got her into the sharpshooter, and she then and then she she Natalia didn't see that Nia Jax had tagged in Shayna, and then Shayna came in and got the clutch in. So yeah, now for a better match, Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn. They got almost ten minutes to do their own thing, and. It was great. It was kind of like the best hits of their PWG, PWG stuff where they even teased a package pile driver at one point. I really just want to see Kevin Owens hit the package pile driver once a match. Just once. But yeah, th- this was awesome. For what they had, this was a fun sprint. Uh, Kevin trying his best in the beginning and then kind of falling to Zane using some of his better technique and he caught him with a Michinoku driver at one point that Cole, that Cole called the blue thunder bomb which is so obviously not thank god Corey corrected him but this was great they even played off of their, their backlash thing where at one point kevin catches zane in the corner with a clothesline and then and then as he runs off to the side to try to bounce back and hit another clothesline zane caught him with the haluva kick caught him and then contemplates what he's going to do next as he tries to hit the second haluva kick but then this time as he charged owens caught him with the super kick and then they mimic the same pose where uh, Zane fell onto Kevin's chest this time and was only supported by his friend, former friend's weight, former friend's body. Really cool stuff. Really cool callbacks. They Zane hit a brain buster like when he was El Generico. This was a good match. This was a very fun match. Logan Paul was there because why not? And thank God he got took a stunner from Owens at the end because the audience is turning on Logan Paul and rightfully so. Logan Paul is I don't care for Logan Paul that much. I've, I think I've expressed that. I'm running out of time here, so I'm going to try to do a quick speed run. Sheamus versus Riddle, awesome match. Two guys just who are the some of the one of the best that they can for the United States Championship. Two of the best strikers. Um, Sheamus, a massive brute of a brawler. Uh, Riddle, great striker, former MMA guy, of course. Awesome stuff. They had a lot of heavy, heavy strikes, and one the ending was Sheamus hitting the bro kick or a bicycle knee as a Riddle came off the middle rope for a moonsault. And got caught midair. Really good finish. Really good stuff. Um, Apollo Cruz versus Biggie. A lot of missed potential here. Pretty much, they it was a it was a Nigerian drum fight. So like a Extreme Rules match, except with um, some Nigerian kind of instruments and drums. They didn't use the drums that much, which is a shame. They brought in some chairs and a table at one point, and yeah, it was it was a little lame. It ended with a. Apollo trying to hit the frog splash on a Biggie through a table. Biggie rolled out of the way, sending him through the table. Then Biggie lifted him up, hit the big splash. And then uh, Babatunde, or um, I always forget what his new name is, like Kato, Kato? Let me double check. It's like Kato something. Uh, Daba Kato is now his name. As he came in dressed like a general, and he hit like Umaga's um, Samoan spike onto, onto Big E. And then draped Biggie, uh, draped Apollo Cruz or Biggie, and now Apollo Cruz is the Intercontinental Champion. Pretty cool. I mean, it's I'm I'm kind of interested to see where this goes. I know Apollo Cruz doesn't have the most original gimmick right now as the kind of foreign aristocrat, but I'm interested to see where this is. I like Baba Tunde's look, and I think he could be a good big man with some time. And I think teaming up with Apollo Cruz could be pretty interesting. And he's Intercontinental Champion now, so yeah, I, let's see where this goes. Then we had Ray Ripley versus Asuka. This one fell short of my expectations, admittedly, but still it's Asuka versus Ray Ripley, and Ray Ripley won. R- Ripley hit the Riptide, her her big her uh, pump handle slam onto Asuka after taking a DDT from Asuka onto the apron and on the ringside floor. 
And yeah, it was still Ripley won. I was very happy to see Ripley won. They're clearly going into a new generation of female talent. Uh, Ripley and Belair would go on to show up at NXT to brag about winning and show kind of, and to kind of promote their new generation and the talent that they are. Fine match though. I mean, not what it could have been, but still overall okay. Now probably for the best match of both nights, Roman Reigns versus Edge and Daniel Bryan. Awesome match. I cannot do this one justice. You would have to see it to believe it. Great intensity from Edge and Daniel. Daniel doing all his best submission moves on both men. Roman using his power. There was an awesome spear versus spear spot, of course, where Edge and Roman charged at each other and they just ram into each other shoulder first and all oh, that looked like it hurt. I just, I winced seeing that. Imagining someone's shoulder falling out of place. Ugh, nasty. Edge then got the chair, of course, and kind of went ham crazy onto Daniel's head. And after that, he hit a concerto, but then Roman caught Edge with a spear and then hit a concerto of his own and then used Edge to pin Daniel. He pinned both men at the same time. Also not a result I was expecting to see Roman win. I really expected Edge to to get out of this one. But Roman won, and finally, a WWE champion, world champion win for Roman at WrestleMania that everyone loved. Finally, WWE, finally, you got what you wanted with Roman Reigns. It's really, really awesome match. I cannot do it justice. Also, that I'm running out of time a bit. Still, though, um, despite I think, as I've mentioned, a lack of WrestleMania feel to this to these nights, there really felt like it was a certain disconnect. I think it was still a very fine and very serviceable and above average WrestleMania. I, outside of like the Fiend match that really ticked me off, of course, and the tag team turmoil match. And um, maybe Oscar versus Ripley. There was nothing that I really hated. There was those are like the three things I think I really, really grind my gears a little bit about WrestleMania this time. 